This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. their seats. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning, and turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you got one of our Presence of God journals and you have been taking notes, you might be a bit frustrated this morning. Uh, When we first decided to do this series on the Presence of God, it's really different for us. We're usually walking through books of the Bible, but we felt like this was important. And we really wanted this to be a part of the DNA of our church, this understanding of God's presence, like a real core part of who we are as a church. It's the real vision for our church. So we decided to reinforce the Sunday morning's sermons in community groups. And so every week our community groups are taking the same topic and are doing it from a different passage of scripture. The challenge of that was we needed to write that curriculum ahead of time. So about three months ago, I had to come up with all of my text and all of my titles. And I really don't like doing that. Uh, I'm usually walking through books of the Bible. And when I feel like we need to do two weeks on a verse, I'll do it. When I feel like we need to do seven sermons in one chapter, I'll do it. I just feel like part of pastoral ministry is sensing where the church is and what the church needs. And kind of walking by the spirit in that way. And so when you map it all out ahead of time, that's challenging, but I've done really well last four weeks. For four weeks, I nailed it. But this week, I'm gonna mess it all up, all right? I don't know what it says on the date for today. I think it's like the reward of God's presence, but that's not what we're gonna do. But take that same paper right there, and we are gonna talk about hearing God in his presence. Hearing God in his presence. This is something we need right now, And I think it's something uh, we need to talk about as a church. So our pastors, your pastors and staff and deacons and leadership, uh, administrative team, all believe that God is calling us uh, to expand the ministry of our church based upon what we believe God wants for us in the future, based upon what we're seeing God do in our community, based on what God's doing in this room on Sunday mornings and in this church on Wednesday nights. We all unanimously believe as leadership that God is calling us into more, specifically more for his glory. We want to see more people sent out on missions, and we want to see more churches planted, and we want to see more pastors and missionaries raised up, and we want to see more people in this room. We have a vision, and we believe God is calling us to more. And so we've been talking about that, not only in this room, but just in different venues. But the fundraising portion of that is something we really have not talked about much in this room and committed not to talk about that much in this room. And here's the reason why. Because we are basing everything on one phrase that is very different than anything I've ever done in my life. And here's the phrase you've heard and that we've been using. It is this. Instead of doing what we would do in a normal capital campaign, instead of me meeting with you, And telling you how much money I think you should give, we're asking you to meet with God and let God tell you how much money you should give. And so we're not as a church feeling the pressure to talk you into something. We are asking you simply to meet with God. And we're doing that for a lot of different reasons. One, we're doing it because at the end of this, we don't just want more buildings. We want a testimony. We want the next generation to be able to look back and to have seen God move in our midst. 
We want to show the next generation what happens when a church chooses to trust and follow Jesus Christ. We want to teach the next generation that you can take God at his word. We want to show the next generation what we see at the end of Acts 2, all of this evidence of God's presence where his spirit moves and people are being being saved and there's generous hearts, not because someone talked them into it, because God worked something internally. We want the next generation to see specific answers to prayer. We want them to allow these buildings to be a monument to the power of God and what God can do with people that trust him. We're also doing it because we want to say to this room and to the next generation, you can trust God's word. So we have said Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things have been added unto you. The question is, do we believe that or not? Do we believe that if we seek first God's kingdom, then God will take care of the rest? It's easy to say, I believe that, but then it's easy also to get completely pragmatic and do something completely different. So what we want to say is we believe that. We believe the word of God and we want to see God show that to be true. But we're also doing it this way because we want to, as much as we can, listen, as much as we can, we want to push you into time with God. Like we're unashamedly saying, we want to put a little bit of the, the good and healthy and godly pressure on you for you to stop and to be still and to pray and to listen and to hear and to respond to God. Like the big win in this moment is you experiencing God. The big win in this moment is not to reach whatever goals we might have. The big win is that in this moment, maybe some of you for the very first time would realize that God is real. And you have met with him. I've had so many encouraging conversations. I had a, 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 two of them, but one I had a call this week in which someone said to me, Pastor, because you have challenged us to just pray for 28 days, for the first time my wife and I are praying together. That's the win. Someone came to me right after the service. We stood right there. And they told me a story about how God has done something supernatural in their lives. And God has done something supernatural in their marriage. Why? Because they're praying and they're asking God what to do. And God put them on the same page and showed them the same thing. And God was working. That's the win. That's the win. The win is that God would move and we would see him move. The win is you drawing near to God and hearing from him. I thought of something this week that I'd never thought about before, and I don't know how I missed it. I realized that in saying that to you, in saying, I want you to meet with God and God to tell you what to do, I am making two massive assumptions. Two massive assumptions. And I don't know how I never thought, I've been thinking about this for months, and I never thought about that till this week. The two assumptions are this. Number one, I'm assuming that it's possible to hear from God. That's big. Number two, I'm assuming you know how to hear from God. Everything that we're talking about is you hearing from God. And God speaking to you and God giving you something real and specific. And God, through seeking him, desiring to hear his voice and get clear direction from him. That's a massive assumption. Because the truth is, there's some really broad spectrums on this idea of hearing from God. There is the, kind of on this side, God has spoken through his word and it's the only way he speaks and he's never said anything that he doesn't say from his word and there is no other word from God except for this word over here. 
And over here, there's those who get a word from God like 38 times a day. The Lord gave me a word about what I should wear. The Lord gave me a word about what I should do. I used to have a staff member that would, at a previous church, who would come into staff meeting, just want to be clear, who would come into staff meeting, he would say this on a regular basis. Guys, the Lord woke me up about four o'clock this morning. He told me this. And he would tell us what God told him. And then he would say, what do you think? Well, if God told him, it doesn't matter what we think. Like, that's the end of the meeting. Like, what do we say about that? Like, that puts you in a really awkward position when someone says, God told me. And as your pastor, I don't do that. I will often tell you where I sense that God is leading us. But very rarely will you ever hear me say, God told me this. There's a balance somewhere in there. I think when it comes to this topic, we're so scared that we might say something we shouldn't say that we don't even talk about it. But if you have walked with God in any serious way, you know that God speaks. You know that to be true. And I know that because God tells us that that is true. And I believe that he speaks and I believe that you can hear from him. But it is hard to articulate this. It is hard to say this in a way that answers the questions and doesn't leave more questions than it answers. But I wanna tell you this morning, that it is only in the presence of God in which you hear him. And in his presence, there is the ability to hear from God. I believe that with all my heart. So I want to answer two questions for you this morning. Number one, does God speak? And number two, how do you hear him? Does God speak and how do you hear him? I want to take for our text this morning, John 10 verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to do a real exposition of this text and walk through it all. But this is a good foundational text because it tells us a couple of very important things. And listen there as we read in John 10, 1 through 16. If you're there, say amen. Listen, it says, truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, listen to this phrase, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Look at this. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For, here it is, they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Here it is. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's really good news. Anyone who comes to Christ will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. That's significant because it shows us this is an initial decision to choose to trust and follow Jesus and then an ongoing lifestyle of going in and out and finding pasture, finding satisfaction and rest and joy in Jesus. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And here it is one last time. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. What John 10 tells us is one of the distinguishing marks of being a child of God is that you hear his voice. Is that you know how to hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name and they follow him. The context of this passage is really the bad shepherds that Jesus was encountering that he talked to in John 9. And Jesus was saying, I am not one of those. I am the good shepherd prophesied in Ezekiel 43 that one day a shepherd would come and it would be Jesus. And Jesus has come to gather his sheep. And he knows his sheep and he loves his sheep and he cares for his sheep. And listen to this. Do you realize the beauty of this? If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, can I tell you the beauty of this? When God calls you to be his sheep, he knows you by name. He calls you by name. He very specifically is thinking about you and he loves you and he knows you and he is calling sheep to be his. And when he does, his sheep hear his voice. They hear it, they know it, and they follow it. That's how you know it's a sheep. Now this is both initially we begin our relationship with Jesus, and some of you need to do this this morning. I believe I was thinking about this as we were singing. I was praying, Lord, we are singing about the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, will you show it to us this morning by saving someone today? That's what I was praying right there. God, I believe, wants to save somebody this morning. And the way in which that happens is that God begins to stir in your heart and give you a desire to give your life to Jesus Christ. You acknowledge that you're looking for life and life abundantly and only Jesus has it. And Jesus died. He gave himself so that your sins might be forgiven. And if you will choose to trust Jesus Christ and say, I choose you to be the payment for our sins and you give your life to Jesus, you can be saved this morning. You can become a part of his fold. You don't have to worry about all of the other false shepherds leading you astray. You just come to Jesus this morning. It happens initially. And you might be saying, Pastor, I don't think I've ever heard God speak. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have heard God speak. Because you would not be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ if God had not spoken to you. Because Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes by, say it again, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So the reason a person gets saved is because God spoke to them, because they heard from God. You begin your journey with Jesus by hearing from God. At some point in your life, maybe this morning, the word of God was preached, and through that word, God spoke to you, you heard, you decided to place your faith in Jesus Christ, and that's how you begin. But that is not just the beginning of the journey. The ongoing day-to-day -day life of a believer in Jesus Christ is a life in which we learn to trust and follow him by hearing his voice. He continues to speak to us. So it's not that he spoke to us in that initial moment and never speaks to us again. No, the distinguishing mark of one of God's children is that they know how to hear the voice of God. God is speaking. The question is, well, how does God speak? That's the first question. Because God is speaking, and the reason he speaks is because he's a relational God. He wants to know you. And listen, he wants you to know him. He's created you for that life abundantly. He's created you for his presence. And the only way you will ever get there is if he initiates a conversation with you and speaks into your heart. And so God is doing this. He speaks to you and draws you to himself. He is speaking. 
And Hebrews 1 says that God has spoken to us in many times and many ways. And if you read through the Old Testament, you cannot question the fact that God speaks. In the Old Testament, he speaks through angels and visions and dreams. He speaks through a burning bush and a soft wind. And he speaks through prophets and he speaks through fire. But I heard someone say one time, this kind of stuck in my mind, they were making this big case that God still speaks. And their proof text was Moses at the burning bush. So God spoke to Moses at the burning bush in the same way he wants to speak to you. And I thought to myself, I have a lot of bushes in my yard. <laughs> I spend a lot of time outside and I, there on my zero turn lawnmower. And I've never once had one of them catch on fire and say something to me. I would love it. I'm not sure you'd believe it if it happened, but I would love it. That would be amazing. And so I know we know that those things happen. The question is, how is God speaking today? Let me give you some ways. I encourage you to write these down. The first one is that God is speaking primarily, authoritatively, definitively from his word. God is speaking primarily and authoritatively, definitively from the word. This book that we hold in our hands is not just a book. This book is alive. This book is active. This book is the very words of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired of God. What does that mean? It is breathed of God. This is the very word of God. There is no other book that is like this book. This is the word of God. And so if you've ever wondered if God wants you to know him and if he wants to speak, the evidence is right here. God has given us this book that we might know him and know him accurately. Everything in this book is from God. Everything in this book is inerrant and inspired of God. This book is the word of God and we can trust it. And we stand on it. We stand on the promises of God. We, we move according to the promises of God. We live according to the promises of God. And every one of these promises are here. We used to sing when I was a kid, every promise in the book is mine. I believe that, that these promises that are here are given to us to help us and sustain us in this life. As a family, we are walking through Psalm 119 in the mornings. And uh, just so you don't think we're too spiritual, I mean, it's chaos and everybody's trying to get to the table on time. But we spend a few minutes together and we're reading a little portion of Psalm 119. Every verse in the longest chapter of the Bible is about the power of God's word. And every day as I read a little section of that, I find myself stopping and going, I need that. Well, that's, I'd forgotten that the word can do that for me. I needed that. And Lord, your word can give that to me. And then apart from Psalm 119, you have Psalm 19. Psalm 19, which says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Do you need your soul revived? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You need wisdom? The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You need joy? The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. Do you need clarity? It says, moreover, by them your servant is warned. Do you need protection? And in keeping them, there's great reward. Are you longing for the reward that only God can give? All of that is found in the word of God. I can't tell you how many times someone will say to me, I just need a word from God. And I want to say, have you opened your Bible? God has given us his word, and every one of these promises are for us. 2 Peter 1.3 says that we have everything we need for life and godliness in the knowledge of him. Where do we get the knowledge of God? Well, from his word. So God speaks primarily, authoritatively from his word. But there are other ways in which God is speaking. God speaks to us unquestionably through creation. 
Psalm 19 as well is saying that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Declaring, that, that, that's a word of communication so that the heavens are saying something to us about God. Romans 1 says that God's invisible attributes can be clearly seen through what God has made. And so when you drive through this campus, when you walk out today and you see the beauty of this campus and the colors of the leaves that are changing with every leaf that is falling from the tree, God is speaking. God is saying something. God is shouting to us from the beauty of his creation. God is saying something to us. And so every moment God is speaking to us through his creation. God speaks through circumstances. One of the primary ways that God changes us, he changes us through the Bible, he changes us through other people, he changes us through our circumstances. And so if, if Ephesians 1.11 is correct, and Romans 8 is correct, that God is working all things according to the counsel of his will, and that everything works together for good to those who know him and are called according to his purpose, if that's true, what that means is this, every single circumstance in your life is a way in which God is trying to speak to you. And so that circumstance that makes you so irritated, that circumstance in which you hate, that one thing that you want to get rid of, God is navigating everything in your life because every circumstance is screaming something to you. We just have to be still enough to hear it. How many circumstances have you been in in which you've said, God, whatever, the, whatever you want to say, I don't want to miss it because I don't want to do this again. I felt that so many times in my life because every circumstance is God speaking. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through his church. The manifold wisdom of God is being known through the church. He speaks through wise counsel. He speaks through brothers and sisters in Christ. He speaks through sermons. If I did not believe that God could speak in this moment, I would certainly quit everything that I've built my life upon. Uh, when I'm down there and we're singing, the choir probably thinks I'm speaking in tongues. I've never done that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just praying that somehow God would use this weak and broken and insecure vessel to be a means by which he would speak to people in this room. That's it. Like, I'm just begging God, God, is there any possible way you could take me this morning and use me to allow someone to get saved and, and confess a sin and, and be brought closer to you? God speaks through this moment. One of the other primary ways that God speaks also is he speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Write down John 14 through 16, all three of those chapters. It says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the truth, will teach you the truth, convict you of the truth, guide you in all the truth, help you in all the truth. It's this really fascinating passage in Luke 12, verse 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, there will be a time in which you will be brought forth before rulers and authorities and be questioned for my name's sake. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not worry about what you will say in that moment because in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. That's a promise for us. That wasn't just for them, that's a promise for us. That there will be times in your life in which you'll need to give an account for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't worry about that. In that moment, the Holy Spirit, who reminds us of the truth, will remind you of a truth and will give you something to say. And so he just said to them, listen, just, just rest in the confidence that the Spirit of God who dwells in you will speak. Galatians 5.18 says that we are to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, what does that mean except for the fact that we are to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is leading us in certain directions and we want to follow him. Acts 13.2, it really has to do with one of the songs we sang this morning. That in the context of worship, God speaks. Acts 13 
Saul and Barnabas are at the church in Antioch and it says, while worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, send Saul and Barnabas away. Now, that's not the flesh that told them that. There was nothing about that church that would want to see Saul and Barnabas go away. But in the process of worship, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to send them. And one of the, one of the things we often feel when we talk about this subject, I, I feel it, I really feel it, is, is I have this fear that I'm going to say something wrong or that, or that maybe you, you might start to go crazy with this hearing from God thing. And so because we're afraid of what it might mean, oftentimes we don't say anything. But every one of you that walks with the Lord knows, listen, you know that there are promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know that. You know there are times in which you have sensed the need to do something that wasn't from the flesh. If God is telling you to give away money, that's probably not the flesh. If God's telling you to go to Nepal, that might not be the flesh. If God is telling you to pack up your children and move to Nepal to reach eight tribal groups, that's probably not the flesh. We have to believe that there are promptings of the Holy Spirit. There are times in which God is speaking to us. And this is Romans 8. His spirit is testifying with our spirit and leading us to, to do things. There is a still small voice that leads us. And I know there's a thousand things it may not mean, but I also know that it is true that the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you is testifying with your spirit, leading you, guiding you, reminding you, and speaking to you and prompting you in the things of God. I thought this morning about a situation I haven't thought about in a while. It was about three years ago. I got done from preaching. I stood right there and a man I've never seen before walked up to me and he said, I'm a pastor. I'm from out of town. I wasn't preaching this morning. God woke me up and told me to go to Prince Avenue Baptist Church. I've never been here before in my life. And God told me to tell you something, but I didn't know what. At that moment, I knew he was crazy. I just already was dismissing everything he was going to say. It's like, I've had you before. I know guys like you, right? He then proceeded to tell me something. That was exactly something that God had been stirring in my heart. Like I had written it in my journal that God was calling me into. And what he said is he didn't even know what he was supposed to say before he came. But in hearing me preach, God told him what to say. And he walked down here and said something to me. There's no possible way anyone else could have known but the Lord. And he walked out and I've never seen him again. You can't tell me that God was not speaking. You can't tell me that God was not stirring that up. I had a story at the end of the first service, something very similar. The man came weeping and just telling me about the way in which God has been speaking to he and his family. And listen, there are promptings of the Holy Spirit. God speaks in these ways. God is speaking all of the time in so many different ways around us. And listen, a little phrase that God is teaching me right now in this regard is that this would be helpful for you to write down. We've got to test it and then trust it. We test every word by the word of God. We test it by asking basic questions. Is this biblical? Does this exalt Jesus Christ? Does this call me to walk by faith? Uh, does this lead me to bless others? We just ask the basic questions that we know are part of the word of God. And we test everything. But at some point, after testing something, we have to trust it and walk in it. At some point, we have to say, Lord, I believe that you're leading me in this direction, and I'm going to walk in it. N neither one of those couples that we showed on the screen opened up and got a word that said, move to Nepal. I've read this book a bunch and I haven't seen that verse. But somehow through the word of God and the counsel of wise people and the prompt of the Holy Spirit, they got a word from God that told him to move and I don't think it was the flesh. 
All of the time, God is speaking. God wants to be heard. He wants you to know him. You've got to be still and listen and know how to hear his voice. So that's the next question. Well, if God is speaking, how can you hear him? How can you hear him? I think John 10 shows us that we can hear him and we should hear him, that we should be able to know his voice and discern his voice. And I think increasingly as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we know his voice more. The more that we're quiet, the more that we want to hear his voice, we will hear his voice more. But the question is, how can you hear from God? If this is to be really in some ways the normal pattern of a believer, that our life is one in which we trust and follow Jesus, we get a promise and we, we follow it, well, how do we do that? I want to give you one general statement, and then I want to tell you three specifics. The general statement is this. The way you hear God is in his presence. You hear God in his presence. You get alone with God. You sit before God. You open the word of God. You seek the presence of God. You say, God, I want to know you, and I want to hear you, and those are prayers that God answers. You, you get with God's presence, and you get alone with God. It is in that context in which God is speaking. But I'm going to give you three more specifics to that. And please write these down. I hope this will be helpful for you moving forward. The first one is this. You hear from God as you devour God's word. As you devour God's word. I chose the word devour specifically. I didn't want to just put read. I wanted to put devour. Because my vision for you and a longing to hear God's voice is that you would not just get a little taste of God's word, but you would read and read and read. Because you can be confident this is the definitive authoritative word of God. You need to read it. I, I, get, I get tired of people saying to me, Pastor, I just need a word from God. And I want to say, when's the last time you read your Bible? Like, if you want a word from God, start right here. Does God give us more specifics? Does God use his word and general promises to say specific things? Yes, we'll talk about that. But we begin right here. There is no knowledge of God or hearing from God if we do not begin by consuming his word. And we test every word that is given to us by the word of God. I got to take what that guy said to me on a Sunday morning. I got to test that. We test every word, but still we believe that when Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's not just the moment in which we give our life to Christ. That's every single day when I open this, this book. If I want to walk by faith, I have to keep hearing the word of God. If faith comes by hearing and God has called me, Romans 10 and, I mean, Hebrews 10 and 11, to walk by faith, I cannot walk by faith unless I hear God's word. Day by day, moment by moment, I just keep going back to the Psalm 19 sufficient word of God. Any pastor or minister in the room will have had this moment. I've had it multiple times where someone came to me and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm telling you, the Lord is telling me to do something. And they will say something that's directly contrary to the word of God. And, and it's a good moment for me because it's a really quick counseling session. Because I can look at him and say, God did not tell you that. And I can tell you exactly why God didn't tell you that. Because God doesn't say anything contrary to his word. So we come to hear his voice by devouring God's word. The second one is this. We hear his voice by surrendering to God's will. Surrendering to God's will. Meaning we have to go to God with no agenda but his agenda. We cannot go to God in hopes that God will say what we want him to say and not say something we don't want him to say. And listen carefully, listen. I think there's a, a lot of people who don't want to hear from God because they actually don't want to hear what God has to say. 
God might send him to Nepal. God might tell him to reconcile a relationship. God might tell him to humble themselves. God might tell him to confess a sin. God might tell him to repent. And there are a lot of people that avoid the presence of God because they don't want to hear what God has to say. And the truth is God speaks to the one who comes into his presence having already given his yes without, without even hearing a question. Lord, I'm giving you my yes. Some of you this morning are, are being led to give your life to Jesus Christ and you have a thousand questions. What does this mean? What does this mean? And where you begin is just saying, Lord, I trust you with my life and I give you my yes. And God speaks to the one who comes to him with a surrendered heart, who is longing to do whatever God tells him to do, coming to, to the Lord saying, Lord, I am ready for radical obedience. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm ready to do because I trust you. Listen to John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, meaning he's walking in, in surrender to the Lord, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me, but we love by my Father, I will love him and manifest myself to him. The one who is obeying my commandments, the one who is surrendered to me, I will speak to him. Because if you do not come to the Lord with a surrendered heart, the only thing you'll hear is what you want to hear and not what God has to say. So we come devouring his word. We come with a surrendered heart. And the last one is this. We hear from God as we seek God's spirit. God's word, surrender to God's will and seeking God's spirit. I was gonna read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. I don't have time, but write that down. But Paul is given this beautiful truth in three chapters of just doctrine, beautiful doctrine. And then he stops and he says, Lord, there is no possible way they will understand this unless by your spirit, you stir up in them the ability to get it. You know, that's the prayer for every one of our children. Lord, they're, they're not going to get this unless the Holy Spirit of God helps them to get this. My words will mean nothing unless you accompany it with your spirit. Why? Because we hear him as we're seeking his spirit, as we are filled with the fullness of spirit, as we are not grieving the spirit and quenching the spirit of God. Romans eight sixteen. I already said it. His spirit is testifying with our spirit that we're children of God. And the reason it's so important to understand the spirit of God and, and the reason the indwelling spirit of God helps us to hear from God is because we are not just seeking a formula of how we can get answers. We are seeking a person who wants to be known. And I really believe sometimes this idea, listen to me carefully, of laying out your fleece before the Lord and looking at a sign is a cheap way to get an answer from God without having to get to know him. Lord, I don't know you really that well, and I haven't sought you that much, but I really need help right now, and so I'm asking for a sign. And oftentimes that desire for a sign is just kind of a way to work around the relationship that God wants to have with us. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. They have been discerned to hear my voice. You can go on YouTube, please don't do it right now, and you can see all these videos of, of a bunch of sheep in a field and, and there's like five people that come up and they call the sheep and they use the exact same call and the sheep don't move. And then one guy at the last will come up and he'll use the exact same noises that the other people did and every sheep will turn around and run. You know why? Because it's the shepherd and that's his sheep. And over a period of time, they have learned how to hear the voice of the shepherd. And when other voices talk, they don't hear it. But when that voice talks, they look up and they run. That's a picture of the child of God. That's a picture of the life God wants to have with you. 
You have through relationship with God, through his word and through his spirit and through surrender, you have learned how to hear the voice of God. And that way you were able to test it and you were able to trust it because you have learned in the context of a relationship to know how to hear his voice. The point I want you to see is that it is in God's presence in which you hear God's voice. And I believe without question, listen. Those who know his word and those who are surrendered to his will, those who are seeking to be filled by the spirit, listen, will receive real and personal and practical words from God. I believe that without question. You will learn to hear more personal and practical words from God. He will take his promises, make it apply directly to your life as you learn to know him and his word. I think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is this moment is because By God's grace, and I think particularly the family that I was raised in, I've seen this. (laughs) I've seen my parents follow so many promptings of the Holy Spirit. I've seen my parents give stuff away. I've seen my parents do things. I've seen my parents all throughout the years just follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and see how much life there is in that that kind of living and, and how joyful it is to see God move in your life. I, I, by God's grace, have been raised in a family that believed in the promises of God and believed that all of them were for us and, and took them and held on to them and, and did incredible things for God. Why? Because they held on to a promise. And this entire year, as I've been seeking God's direction for our church, it, it has been a journey of one word after another from God. Like every time I get a fear or anxiety, God gives me a word and moves me on to the next thing. I think about how God brought me to John 7 and gave me a vision for our church, a vision in which we are gathered like this and thousands more are gathered with us. And they are experiencing God in this place in a way that you can only do in corporate worship. And they are learning in this place how to enjoy God. And then his presence is flowing to Nepal and every one of our neighbors from this place. God gave me a vision of that. And then I started wondering, well, Lord, why would I think you would want to do more with our church than what you're already doing? And then God brought brought me to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And he said, I'm able to do more than you could ever imagine or ask or think. And I'm a God of more. And so God, Josh, stop thinking small. Start doing more for me. And then I got so afraid and God took me to Matthew 25. and, And what I realized is the one that hears the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, is the one who takes what has been entrusted to him and multiplies it. In other words, there has to be risk in the kingdom of God. And if I just decide to take what we have here and just keep it just like it is, no, 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 I will not hear well done, good and faithful servant. I take what's been entrusted and I multiply it for the kingdom of God. And so God is saying, Josh, you got to stop being so afraid and you got to go. And step by step. And then I think, well, God, okay, how are we going to do it? And God says, Matthew 6, 33, Josh, you seek first the kingdom. I'll take care of the rest. Every single step, a word from God specifically applied to my life for the moment in which I need it. I, I was laying in bed one night, in the middle of the night, God woke me up. And I'm saying God woke me up because God gave me a word. I don't say this very often, I'm saying it. And here's the reason I know. God gave me a word. I was afraid of moving forward. I was afraid of doing this the way we're doing it. And the word the Lord said to me is, Josh, if you honor me, I will honor you. You know how I know that's a word from God? is because it's a word from God. I hadn't read 1 Samuel in months. I wasn't thinking about honoring God. I wasn't having that thought at all. But somehow I wake up in the morning and what the Lord was saying to me is, Josh, do it my way. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'll honor you and I'll honor the church if you do it my way. Don't do it the way of the world. Do this my way. 
And for somehow I had that phrase in my mind and the spirit of God stirred it back in my soul and it was like I was able to go to sleep because the Lord just said, Josh, honor me and I'm gonna honor you in the church. And every single step of the way has been that kind of thing. I think about as I was praying through God, what do you want me to give? And, and what I was doing is answering all the normal questions and mainly from 2 Corinthians 9, okay? Those who give sparingly, receive sparingly, but those who give bountifully receive, but God, I, I want bountiful, God. I want bountiful. I, I want you to bless me a lot. And so I think about that. I think about God, is this, is this an act of faith? Is this costing me something? Is this sacrificial? And I think about all those things. So I do the practical things that come from the word and then the Lord gives me something and then I'm scared again. And here's the word God gave me. Second Corinthians nine, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, Josh, you do what I tell you to do and I'll make sure that you always have everything you need in every moment at all times. Well, that verse doesn't say, Josh, don't worry, you'll have everything you need. But at that moment, I needed that verse and God used that verse to speak to my spirit and say, you trust me, you do what I tell you to do and I'll give you everything that you need. And on that verse, I move with confidence and do the next thing. And you know what? I'm going to wake up in the morning because I know me and I'm going to be just as insecure and I'm going to have just as many fears and I'm going to be worried a thousand things. And if I will go for it, God will give me another word to get me through that day. <laughs> and he just, he just does it day after day. It's just so good to walk with the Lord that way. It's the last thing I'll say will be done. I couldn't sleep last night and I, I got out of bed and I turned on the light and I just started reading Psalms. Um, I read Psalm 5. The first three verses say this. This is really the life I want us to have. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Lord, I'm groaning here. I need something, Lord. I'm asking. Hear my voice. Give attention to the sound of my cry. Are you listening? My King and my God, you're my King. I'm submitted to you. For you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. And in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and then I watch. That word watch means to wait expectantly. So what he's saying in Psalm 5 is this, Lord, I'm asking for you, and I need to hear from you. And Lord, I'm waiting, and I'm expecting that you're going to say something to me. I'm believing by faith that you're going to give me an answer to what I need. And the pattern of our life is that we ask, we wait, we hear, and we believe. We ask, we wait, we hear, and we believe. We ask, we wait, we hear, and we believe. And if you'll choose to come to the Lord like that, I assure you, he will speak to you and he will encourage you and he will give you wisdom and direction over long periods of time. You will know that God has been so good in directing your steps according to his word and his spirit. That's the life he wants for you. And I don't want you to settle for any life less than that one. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.